You want to find your tribe of raving fans. And that's just what we're here to help you do. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 360 Media, where we help entrepreneurs build better businesses by not only sharing insights and candid conversations, but by nurturing our minds as well. Get ready to explore, plan, and showcase your business, because here we go. Here's your host, Chief Strategist of 360 Media and Educator at TacticalProgram.com, Justin Lamb. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Digging Deep Podcast, and I'm your host, Justin Lamb. And today, we're talking to Elvis Nguyen of uh, CatTax Canada, uh, R&D Tax Incentives Advisor. Um, and so welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, so for those people who don't really understand what um, you know, R&D tax incentives might be, can you maybe explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so this program is actually called the SHRED program, stands for Scientific Research and Exper- Experimental Development. It's a program designed by the government to reward business owners who are doing things a little bit more creatively, who are taking risks, and it's a way for them to recoup costs that they would incur doing research and development, R&D. Uh, within BC, for example, we can recover up 42% of your costs that you would spend towards salaries, contractors, materials, as long as you're exhibiting activities that goes towards creating something new or improving something that exists, we can go back and literally hand you money back on a platter. Oh, that's really interesting. So, um, you know, how did this sort of arm come about? And, and you know, for those who don't know, you know, what is, is CATAX a division of, uh, of a company or is it its own enterprise? So funny enough, CATAX is a UK-based company. You know, most of our experts work from the UK and work Canada hours. Uh, this company was created 12 years back by my president's best friend. And it was only brought to Canada three years ago, but within that time, we've you know, grown massively. We have over 400 clients, all of which are getting money back that they wouldn't have received. And the, the interesting thing is this program is not widely used within Canada, funny enough. I believe the stat was um, in 2017, out of 3 million businesses, only 22,000 claimed for this incentive program. That's a such a small number and they shared $3 billion in tax returns. So it's not a small amount of money you're getting back. It's, it's massive, but it's because of the complexity, the work involved, many businesses choose not to go about doing this. So then, you know, what, what are we talking about in terms of, you know, innovation and, and development? Like, like what, what type of, processes or what type of services or, you know, what are the limitations or what are the restrictions in in that category? That's a very good question. And this is what most businesses who have attempted this in the past would pretty much go against a wall because it's very hard to describe what you're doing because you're going through the processes. This is business as usual for most businesses. Essentially, the government is looking for some sort of technical challenge because this whole program is a reward program for businesses who are pushing the boundaries of their industry. So for example, if you're a brewery, you know, you're making beer, you know, beer has been around for at least 4,000 years. How are you going to reinvent that? Simple. You're trying new things that isn't in the industry right now, or is hard to come about. 
you don't have to really reinvent the wheel. You can be doing something that already exists on the market, but it's not easily searched on Google, for example. You can't, if you can't find the solution by going on Google and typing it in, and you have to figure it out yourself, that's innovation, that's R&D, and we'll reward you for that. So my example is if you're uh, in a brewery house and you're creating some sort of, let's say, exotic durian beer, you know, that sounds weird, but you're able to make it sound, taste delicious because durian is a very sweet fruit. You're able to harness that, get the, the richness in the flavor infused into beer, you know, and overcoming, you know, the, the transportation costs, maybe overcoming the high amounts of sugar and fats in the fruit. We're then able to go back and say, hey, these guys are doing something extremely innovative bringing a new flavor to the market, we're going to go back and recover money that he spent towards the R&D. And we can go as far back as 18 months. So this is money that we're recovering that, does, that you've already spent, that's already written off in your books and handing it back to you. Oh, that's really cool. So how did you get involved with CatHex? Like, you know, where, did, where did you start to, to ultimately lead you into in a role here? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Um, I'm not exactly an engineer or software designer by trade. I worked at CATAX uh, where I met my president. So Richard Hoy is the president of CATAX Canada. His best friend started CATAX in the UK. Um, he was tired of flying across the country, spending, I would say, weeks on the road at a time. And he decided to forego it. His best friend's been trying to, trying to get him to start CATAX in Canada for years now. And he finally bit the bullet. And because I love the way he is a leader and demonstrates his leadership to his employees, I decided to follow along with him. Cool. And so what was life before CATAX then? <laughs> it was door-to-door sales. Um, I was working at LedCore uh, selling TELUS services. Um, I was a project coordinator. So my role was really to reach out to property management companies, stratas, and coordinate the build between the residents and the bigger companies. Uh, and along with that, knock on some doors and sell some services. And so I think for, you know, what you're doing now, then I, I guess door-to-door sales and, and having thick skin is sort of an important part of the process, uh, as you're opening discussions, is that correct? A hundred percent. I mean, we hear it all the time. Everything in life is a sale. You're going to get rejected one way or another, no matter what you're doing. And you have to overcome that. And a no isn't always a no, you know, it could be the way someone's day started. It could be something in there in the background that you might not be aware of. And, you know, it could just be some sort of push off and you have to have that thick skin to come back and say, Hey, you know what? what I have to offer you is extremely valuable. We're not assholes. Give us two minutes. If we can't show you value at that point, I'll show myself to the door. Simple as that. So even for business owners, you know, they're still people and they're still going to react like people. So this is a very valuable skill to have coming into this type of industry. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because you say that, you know, a no isn't always a no. And, and in sales, you know, for those people who are listening, uh, the process of a no or a obstacle or an objection is is just a red flag. It's it's something where they're entering into a place of confusion um, and or frustration. 
And so what you're, you're actually witnessing is a mental block, a roadblock that you need to overcome. And I think a lot of salespeople either, you know, abruptly push through aggressively, which ultimately doesn't necessarily lead into a very meaningful conversation and or experience to the user um, and or they just walk away from the sale. But I think if you approach that conversation from that objection exists and there's something in their head that says that, you know, this is something new, something foreign, something that I don't understand, something that they say kind of gives me a, a weird impression. Um, but it is a moment for you to reflect on what it is that you just said that elicits the no uh, and for you to then take that to another direction and or explain yourself further in a way that you're actually trying to serve a person, right? And I think that's that's probably the harder part is, is understanding in the moment when you're trying to sell uh, or you're trying to promote your product is that, you know, you have to find that objection uh at the very moment, and then be able to position it uh, if if it's valid, um, you know, a, a way that you can solve that problem. One hundred percent. You know, you have to dig deeper into it. And if they come off harshly, you don't want to push too hard because it's going to be two clashing heads against each other. You have to swallow your pride. You have to take a step back and understand. You know, this is someone's business. This is what they built up. They have a lot of pride behind it. If they felt like at that moment, they don't want to talk to you. you, you there's almost nothing you're going to say to be able to push past that. You just have to revisit it at another time. And as a salesperson, you know, these blows will take a toll on you. We're all people, we're all human. And being told no a thousand times, it's hard. So you have to also understand yourself that you know, getting rejected in a meeting, in a sale, in an introductory sale, it doesn't take away from your own value. It doesn't take away from yourself. You're still a very strong person. You know, you, you took the chance to go and pursue something and it could just be based on luck as well. It's a numbers game at the end of the day. You just need to make more calls, talk to more people, connect with more uh, qualified people, go to more events. It's just activity is key at the end of the day with sales. So then what type of things do you do to kind of keep yourself mentally primed and uh, able to, to handle that, that load? That's, uh, you know, for anybody, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in sales or just, just your own entrepreneur, you know, the no's are devastating at times. I think when you get too many <laughs> yeah. in a row, I mean, I yeah. can't even imagine door to door, right? Like if you're going yeah. door to door, trying to sell, you know, telecommunication services or even the poor people who are trying to do charitable work and asking you for a donation, like that's hard work. And they get so many no's yeah. and they get so many frustrated people. But, you know, how do you keep positive on those days? Yeah, everyone is different. Everyone has a way to let go of the frustration. It's almost like a, a bundled ball of rubber and you need to find a way to release it. Some people meditate, you know, that's very useful. I like to do some active meditation at times, but for me, you know, maybe it's my personality, but I like to watch something a little bit funny. And comedy always gets me loose because really, if you come into a conversation loose, funny, active, you know, listening, people are going to receive you a lot better because whatever they're doing right now is more important, obviously, than the caller. So you want to make sure that you're more interesting, you're more funny, you're more personable than whatever's happening 
to them right there at that moment. So for me, whenever I get, you know, bogged down by a bunch of no's, a bunch of negativity, I like to release all that tension by watching something a little bit more funny, maybe listen to a podcast for a short while. You know, so it's going to release the tension that's built up over time. Amazing. So now if we turn that back over to Catax as, you know, what type of no's are you getting on the other side? So you, if you're having people saying maybe yes to you, mm-hmm. what type of no's do you get on the government's end? Um, you know, in terms of the rebates and stuff, like, you know, where does, where do those restrictions end? Um, you know, for, for a person who's innovating, like, you know, everybody's trying to bring their business online now and, you know, does that fit into the R and D and, you know, how much of that is turnkey? And, you know, I think maybe a confusion point, and I know initially when I first discovered it is like, well, there are things that are in the market that I would probably mm-hmm. purchase to, to do or to bring my business forward, but then they're already sort of pre-made solutions. I might have to add out a little bit, but then like, can that qualify? Where, where does that, where does that lead? Yeah, 100%. And a no from the government is a nice way of them telling you that what you're doing isn't exactly innovative, that it's already being, being done because the government wants to give you money. It's not some sort of walled garden where they're going to say, no, you know, only the best of the best is going to be able to get money from us. They want to be able to give the money to any qualified business that is doing real innovative work. And unfortunately, marketing isn't necessarily innovative. You know, you can't paint a wall red and say that this is brand new because my competitors are not doing it. It has to be real work that goes through a process of R&D, trial and error. You're going to have to have a risk of failure. Uh, There has to be some sort of technical challenge that you're overcoming. That's not something that others are willing to go past. You know, you can be making sourdough, for example, in a brand new way, you know, you're buying equipment, you're modifying equipment so that it can do a job that you can't find with regular contemporary ovens. You have to try ingredients that no one else is really doing because you're trying to do something or produce something that no one else is producing. And that's what we had to unlock by going through these technical calls with the the business owners. There's a lot of listening when it comes to CAD tax and when it comes to this type of rebate program, because we're trying to understand all the successes, but on top of that, all the failures, because you can qualify for trying something new and it failing along the way, because you're, we're, trying to prove that you're doing something that no one else is doing. And yeah, it's just a lot of listening, lots of understanding where they're coming from. Because for us, we like to look at the story behind the product before we look at the numbers. The numbers will make sense of itself after we understand the reasoning behind the madness. Fair enough. So if somebody wanted to get um, started with something like that, what type of things do they need to prepare for you? Um, you know, do they need to prepare like, like certain receipts? How, how are they, how do they start that process to even consider a conversation with you and CATAX? So the first year that we do the, the claim for the, the client, the CRA understands that businesses might not know that this program may exist. So they're going to be a lot more lenient towards the claim. So they're not going to need much documentation, but after that, they're going to look for hard evidence. 
much more hard evidence. So you need to have proper timelines of when you did the projects, contractors involved, your T2s, your T4s, salary payouts, receipts and invoices, all that. Mm. They need to have you know, a spreadsheet, you know, this is project A, project B, project C, where you had iterations of the same product, but you improved it over time. You need to have some sort of record. Now, this is something that business should be keeping tabs of already, but many times you know, it just goes with the flow and you're just doing things. But we're trying to train and teach clients how, that, how to maximize these claims by showing them proper record keeping, proper timeline keeping, because that's when we can have a solid case of why the government should give you money back for your type of projects. Because we're always going to work with, we're only going to work with companies who are doing legitimate claims, but just because it's legitimate doesn't mean we're able to get the money back if they don't have the evidence to back it up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not every business is uh, great at keeping records and or, no. <laughs> or uh, filing things. Sometimes it's just the proverbial shoebox um, all the no. way up until tax time. And even then, you know, poor, poor accountants having to sift through that mess and then, you know, whether or not those people are going to keep. It's funny. Uh, my tax experts are from UK and they were laughing. Like, why is it that people in Canada are so far behind on their tax returns? Because for them in the UK, this is, I don't know, it might be more standard or maybe it's more rigid in how they do things, but apparently we're a, little, we're a lot more relaxed in that front. Well, the West Coast is definitely a lot more relaxed than a lot of other places <laughs> uh, in Canada. But, yeah. you know, I think by and large, I think the by economies of scale, the West Coast, I feel, I mean, I don't know hard numbers, but I would say that West Coast seems like it is a place and a breeding ground for small businesses, uh, more so than like the Toronto or Montreal suburbs. Um, you know, I don't feel like the small businesses, you know, sort of open mom and pop shops as often or as, you know, uh, as close together as here on the West Coast. I think maybe it's the way the environment is, the cost of living maybe plays a role in it because everybody's got a side hustle. Um, yeah, and so I think, what about if, uh, if a person is starting a side hustle of some sort that is sort of you know innovating? And of course, those are really long timelines, right? Like you know, we talked mm-hmm. about side hustles. Let's just say somebody's doing uh, coding and development of some sort, some sort of revolutionary app. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to be maybe further than 18 months up because, you know, they're doing it on the side. How does that work? Would that qualify? And how do you, how do you, uh, how do they, they sort of fit into this equation? They would definitely qualify. But if we can recover the money, that's another matter. Hmm. Because we're only able to return money that has been spent in one way or another. So if you're a new business, and you're going through your processes, you know, you're putting in the sweat equity, blood, sweat, and tears, and you have a product that is extremely innovative in its marketplace. If there was no real cost, because say you don't pay yourself a salary, uh, you got your friends to help you out, they did you a solid, you know, those are not things that we can materially bring back to you because there's no invoices, there's no receipts. That's the challenging thing with very small grassroots businesses. You know, if there's no cost for us to log on the paper, there's no cost for us to return back. And yeah, in the West Coast, there's a lot of smaller hustles, you know, in a different way. 
I find that in the East Coast, there's more high-tech companies uh, developing. There's more firms doing these type of very high-scale businesses. But in the West Coast, we have a lot more younger entrepreneurs who are doing a lot of side hustles, like, I don't know, fitness industry related, you know, personal trainers, you have brewery, small craft brews all the time. You see them literally everywhere on the streets, but you know, we have to be able to find the costs involved for us to return the money back. Amazing. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and find out a little bit more and see if they qualify, how would they get a hold of you? You can reach us at catax.com or you can reach me at my email at elvis.yuan at catax.com. You know, we're always open for a conversation. You know, we work entirely on a contingency, meaning that we'll only charge you if we can find you money. It doesn't cost a thing to talk to us. And you know, a, a simple conversation can unlock thousands of dollars that you didn't know you had. So I'm always open to having a conversation with any business who's doing something new or creative. Fantastic. And so I always try to end up with my podcast uh, by asking my guests a simple question is, what is a book or a resource that has deeply impacted your life uh, up to date? For me, it would have to be Robert Greene's The 48 Laws of Power. When I was first getting into sales and understanding myself, I didn't really know where to look and I came across this book. I can't remember where, but it really impacted me because it taught you, you know, the deeper handlings of people, you know, the way they operate, how they interact with other people, what to look out for if you're being used, if you're being, you know, passed around. Unfortunately, this is very common in the world and it doesn't mean you have to use these tactics and tools yourself, but if you understand them, you know how to watch out for them and you're able to better handle yourself in these type of situations. Another one would be mastery as well. Uh, by the same author, Robert Greene. Pretty much the, it's pretty much what you hear all the time with personal development. You know, you have to put in the hours, you need to put in the work and the results will come. You just have to be active and you have to put in the, the time and the effort to develop any sort of skill. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. For those people who haven't uh, read these books, that's a great opportunity for you to add that to the reading list of those who are joining us today. Thank you so much for joining in. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen. Hopefully brought you some value uh, either in the area of sales and and uh, um, closing and, and objections or today about uh, cat tax in itself, uh, maybe finding some uh, hard earned dollars that uh, you thought are well spent and uh, not returnable. Maybe you might be able to have that conversation with Elvis, but thank you so much for joining me here today. uh, And I do appreciate you taking the time to hang out and chat. Thank you so much, Justin. Thanks for having me. We want to thank you for listening to the Digging Deep podcast with 360 Media. Your time is valuable and we're deeply humbled that you are spending this time with us. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at 360photo and at Tactical Titans. You can also email us. We want to make this channel great, something you enjoy and find tons of value in. Send us your insights to info at 360photo.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us reach more listeners. As always, tune in next week as we dig deeper into business and marketing.